right, happy Friday. Glad you're with us. 46 days. Scott Shannon is dead on accurate. The Daily Countdown continues. You are the ultimate jury in 46 days, and the stakes couldn't be higher. The biggest choice election in the history of uh, my lifetime, for sure. There's never been a major party candidate this radical, this extreme, this out of the mainstream, that is openly advocating for socialism that is you know promising the world this is what socialism does which is why in live free or die did the whole chapter of socialism its history of failure they always promise everything everything's going to be free can you imagine the government they can't even keep law and order they can't educate your kids every promise they made on obamacare uh, got broken how many times do they lie to us? Keep your doctor. Millions lost their doctors. Keep your plan. Millions lost their plans. And on average, and everybody's going to save money. Average family will save over $2,500 per family per year. And we're all paying about 200% more. And there's what? 40, almost 40% now of the country that has only one Obamacare, Biden care exchange option. They got that wrong too. They can't educate our kids in these liberal cities and states run by liberal Democrats for decades. Huge failure. They can't keep law and order, safety and security. Huge failure. You know, I mean, I, I'm, maybe I'm cynical. I, I hope not a single person is shot this weekend in Chicago or New York or Portland or Seattle. Hope no more cops. No, I hope no more attempted assassinations. But. We all know that that's not going to happen because they've not taken the steps necessary steps to prevent these things i find the most spectacular fail is biden and obama in chicago that's barack's home city he's president for eight years joe vice president for eight years four thousand homicides in chicago alone twenty thousand people in chicago shot alone they didn't lift a finger to help Barack's hometown. Not a single finger. By the way, the home of other radicals, Reverend Wright. What did he do? Minister Louis Farrakhan, the radical, racist, anti-Semite, virulent anti-Semite he is. Or Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn, the unrepentant domestic terrorists. You know, oh, yeah, all part of a, a, a gang of, of, of lunatics. It's sad. And yeah, the picture existed. I thought I knew it existed of Obama and Farrakhan, and they hid it from the country for eight years. Nobody else in the mob and the media will ever talk about it. Uh, it's just sad. You know, uh, I'm looking. Something's happening. I don't know what. It's not going to change my opinion. We'll have our pollsters in an hour. Uh, Matt Towery, John McLaughlin, and Scott Rasmussen. Rasmussen reports uh, today. Oh, actually, they put... Trump's approval of 53%. That's another new high. It's only reached three other times since his first month in office. And now for the past few weeks, the president's been on a steady climb. And Rasmussen's uh, ratings. You know, you look at the event last night with Joe Biden. I mean, could he look any more weak? I felt like if one of his strong winds came by, you know, that it would blow him away. I mean, it just it's he's so frail and so obviously weak and so out of it. And I mean, it could I mean, Anderson Cooper was just embarrassing. 
watching this town hall. He won't even ask him one single question. Like the just the stuff that okay, well, why did you why are you now saying you supported the travel ban when you didn't? He didn't support the travel ban. And, you know, why did you through March, late into March, keep saying that that the travel ban was hysterical, xenophobia, and fear mongering? Now the mob and the media is never going to admit this to you. But, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, him saying to Bob Woodwork, the president saying that he downplayed the virus. Yeah, but he upplayed the actions beforehand because nobody thought it was necessary. It is, I'll say it again, incalculable how important that travel ban became. How many hundreds of thousands of more Americans would have contracted the virus and then exponentially, mathematically, you know, how many thousands of Americans would have also died? And, you know, we didn't have to have 11,000 of the of the 30, whatever, 40,000 dead in New York. If the if the dopey governor wasn't out there in, in late March saying, well, I don't mean to sound like an arrogant New Yorker, but we're not like these other countries. And I speak for the mayor on this one. And that is we have the best health care system in the entire world. No, you don't. You are prepared for nothing. And the president built you the hospital beds. He sent you the Navy hospital ship. He manned the hospitals for you. You didn't even need one. And every nurse, every doctor was provided. All the PPE was provided for you, including every ventilator. I need 40,000 ventilators because I ignored my own health care task force that said I needed 15,783. You know, that idiot mayor in New York, go out on the town, here are my recommendations. Nancy Pelosi, come to Chinatown. You know, Anderson Cooper in March. Yeah, you could, I'd worry more about the flu than COVID-19. And I, I'm not even blaming people on, on some of the things being wrong, but, you know, we got to learn from the things we did right. Travel ban, you know, was right 10 days after the first identified case. Downplaying it, well, he's not going to go out in the throes of a pandemic and say, panic, no. But he's looking at the information. He just took action. He took action that proved to save lives. And it's just, you know, for this idiot Joe Biden to go out there last night and just continue his campaign of lying. This is now nothing. Joe makes it up as he goes along. That, you know, he could have prevented all Americans from dying from coronavirus. That's a lie, Joe. If the president had done his job, had done his job from the beginning, all the people would still be alive. All, all the people. I'm not making yeah. this up. Just look at I'm the not data. making this up. Yeah. Look at the data. Look at the data. Joe, you didn't support the travel ban, but, you know, for the next three through March, you were telling everybody it's hysterical xenophobia and and not to worry about it. You're on tape. You weren't out there. You didn't. You were still campaigning, doing events. And I guess up until June. You weren't talking about social distancing and your your precious little mask. Even if the Washington Post and other news outlets had to call him out on that one. Why don't they ask him? Why did you oppose the travel ban and the first quarantine in over 50 years and the subsequent travel bans? Why were you more concerned about China's feelings than you were about the health and safety of the American people? 
after lecturing the audience on mask wearing, a maskless Biden is huddling with Anderson Cooper on camera. Now, let me be honest here, because I've interviewed the president and I've been around the president. Anytime anyone gets around the president or Joe Biden, you have to be COVID tested. I've probably been COVID tested more than most people. I only got the antibody test once and it was negative. I didn't have it. Anyway, you know, so it's just a big show. You know, Joe Biden, you know, I I like symbolism, but real substance matters more. It's unbelievable how corrupt people are. It is um, it is so bad. And by the way, you know, I'm listening to Joe last night and he's given his list of everything he do. And I'm like, check. Trump did it. Check. Trump did it. Check. Trump did it. Check. 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 Trump did it. Did it. Did it. Did it. Did it. And now Operation Warp Speed. I read to you from, you know, you have nine separate, separate final stage trial testing, human t- trials going on for a vaccine. Now, they started in late July, for example, AstraZeneca, Moderna, Pfizer, and, and you know, they have different partnerships. But anyway, in the case, you know, it's 30,000 people in every trial. Now, in the case of Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, they're now... They've upped the trial to 44,000 to include 16 to 18 year olds, people that have HIV and people that have hep a C, hepatitis A, B or C. Now, why are these human trials ongoing? Ask yourself. And it, they know in about six weeks. What have they discovered? Well, nobody's died. Nobody's died. They now also that's why they're expanding it to people with different conditions and younger ages. They wouldn't do that otherwise. They're also discovering that just like in phase two human trials, that they're, they're successfully creating antibodies. Good. That's what you want. That's what a vaccine's all about. And the third thing they're discovering is otherwise they would stop the trial. They stopped it temporarily to see if it wasn't COVID. Apparently wasn't vaccine connected to one health condition. And the reason they continue is because The only symptoms or any side effects are mild headache or minor muscle pain. That's it. And I'm not telling anybody what to do when when they announce that they have it. But that kind of, to me, tells me they've got it. Because otherwise, the final stage testing would have stopped by now. But they're actually expanding the testing to different It's specific conditions and younger people and people with underlying conditions. I'm not getting into a battle about I don't support mandatory anything. I I made the case a long time ago. Why I wear a mask. I wear it because I don't want if I ever got it, I wouldn't want an older person to get sick. That's my and I anecdotally, I told you in the middle of this, this shift show in New York. And I mean, when it was at its worst, uh, I would go in and I, you know, I'd see the guys in the grocery store the drugstore they'd all have their mask on they all have the plexiglass nobody got the virus anecdotally that convinced me but i you know i i understand other people feel differently now there might be stores or restaurants that say you got to do it or else you can't get in and that's also their prerogative to have to have that as a condition of coming into the store i mean the problem is and that we'll get into this whole thing what's going on in nashville with john rich later in the program they purposely downplayed they, they, they didn't have hardly any cases at all, and they shut down every restaurant, every bar on Music Row in Nashville. 
Well, I, you know, John Rich has the Redneck Riviera. I'm sure he's probably got 100 employees working there that aren't working. And they're hiding information that could otherwise be used to open up these places safely. And there's this, you know, let me tell you what's going to happen after November 3rd. You watch liberals' views on all of this are going to change and change dramatically. And it's like all of a sudden, now that we're on the precipice of what it would be a scientific medical research miracle in terms of record time vaccine created, uh, now they don't want to hear about it. Yeah, it's going to be, I don't trust Trump's, Trump's vaccine. Trump's not making the vaccine. Pharmaceutical companies, AstraZeneca, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, Moderna. You think they'll make an announcement that the vaccine is out and safe if it's not? You know what that does? That would guarantee if they lied that they're out of business forever. They'd like to stay in business. They're not out there for any other reason, but there's a reason that we're not hearing a stoppage in these final stage trials. That's good news especially for those that are most vulnerable to me. They'll have the choice. This should be a choice between you and your doctor. But the fact that we got this far that fast, it's a modern miracle in science and medical research that we ought to be, you know, you would think there's one thing you could be happy about, that this is now going to come to an end. And we talked about how that then creates the herd immunity effect, which then protects everybody. So the president having a press conference, they were just talking about the very thing. They, they, they just said they expect 100 million doses of the vaccine ready to be 100 million doses ready to get done this year. So, I mean, and he said there's three companies now in these, the final, final stages of testing. Human trials, as we call them. And they wouldn't be saying that because they're getting data every day. Remember, the, the final third stage human trial started in late July. And it's about a six-week run, six run, run per different focus group. They've been doing different regions of the country. They've been doing ge- geographically. They've been doing different age groups. Now they're even expanding it further, like in the case of FISA, they're now, for the first time, looking at 16 to 18-year-olds, and they're looking at people that have HIV and people that have hepatitis A, B, and C, which means they wouldn't be doing that if they had any complications whatsoever. Because if people were dying in the third-stage human trials, it would be stopped immediately. That's the process. That's how it works. If they were not seeing the antibodies like they did in stage two trials, it would be stopped immediately they had one hiccup with astrazeneca and that hiccup was very quickly overcome when they ascertained it was not vaccine related so you know that's those are all hopeful things i I actually am fascinated by people that have the brilliant minds and medical research and science that can do this stuff um and i think it was dr nicole yesterday or dr josh pointing out you know we we had a head start on sars because we've known about it remember we, we had the first SARS outbreak, and they're similar in terms of the genetic makeup of the virus, but it's fascinating stuff. 
Live free or die, America, the world on the brink, and it's not hyperbole. The most radical agenda ever proposed by a major political party. Everything's going to be free. You get free pre-K through college education, free student loan forgiveness. By the way, is that retroactive? Do I get my money back? Uh, you get uh, free guaranteed jobs, government-backed jobs, government-backed uh, wage, government-guaranteed vacations, government-guaranteed healthy food, Government guaranteed health care. Kamala doesn't even want you to have the, the option or choice of private health insurance. You get guaranteed government takeaway of your Second Amendment rights. She thinks she can do it by executive order. If Congress doesn't act in 100 days, I'll issue my executive fiat to eliminate the Second Amendment. Okay. Hell yeah, we're coming for your AK-47s, Bozo said. You know, guaranteed retirement. Well, you know, the, the government's tried all these things. The Social Security lockbox doesn't exist. They raided it and they spent and squandered our money. And it's headed towards bankruptcy. Medicare headed towards bankruptcy. Obamacare didn't keep a single promise. Just the opposite of what they said. Uh, they can't even keep law and order and, and safety and security in our cities and that they certainly are not in liberal states blue states liberal cities run by liberal democrats for decades in other words a preview of coming attractions if the country is stupid enough to elect joe biden it could happen i'm not i'm i am not pollyannish on anything here in terms of the election this election can be won and Donald J. Trump, they, the media can choke on the words. We can now project he's reelected the 45th president of the United States. That can happen. I can't guarantee it today. Nobody that is out there guessing which way that the election is going to go can, get, can, can tell you either with certainty. But the bottom line is I'm trying to get everyone to understand how high the stakes are. That's why I wrote the first book I've written in 10 years. It's 40% off on Amazon.com, by the way, if you're interested, if you haven't gotten a copy. Uh, you know, so last night, Joe, after he made the, the false fabricated statement that he could have prevented, he, he could have prevented every death from coronavirus. Well, we would have been the only country on earth that made that happen. And he's the same guy that was against the travel ban, against the quarantine, against the subsequent travel bans for months. He's the same guy who never talked about social distancing masks and and was having rallies you know deep into when the virus was had begun its breakout he forgot that you know these democratic governors like cuomo and gavin newsom were praising donald trump for delivering every single thing that they needed that's why leaving 70 percent of the hospital beds that trump built man converted to covid 19 with all the ppe and all the ventilators in new york 70 percent of those hospital beds were empty how dumb could they be to send send COVID-19 patients into nursing homes? The nursing home owners and operators were saying, we cannot handle this. And then he lashes out at them. It's all about money. It's not about money. It's about common sense. Ron DeSantis, he took a lot of heat. Uh, but Ron DeSantis does not have anywhere near the percentage of, of death. And they got a much higher elderly population terms of percentage of the population down in florida yeah they did have a second outbreak which we knew would happen also we always said it was when not if 
But it tend, it was at that point, it was younger people who are not reacting the same way to COVID as, as older people with underlying health conditions or compromised immune systems. And just listening to Joe lie like this and, and fake news CNN as pathetic as they always are, and nothing but state-run television for the Democratic Socialist extremists. That's all they are. So Joe last night goes, well, I don't trust Trump. I'll trust the doctors and the scientists. I tr- trust Dr. Fauci. Well, maybe he wasn't aware that Dr. Fauci weighed in yesterday. Well, actually on Wednesday that he believes the vaccine uh, will be proven to be safe and effective. And he says, I'm pu- still putting my money on November or December, he said. Said it during a Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute panel on global pandemics. Fauci understands the process. Final stage human trials that have now gone on since late July mean that they're not experiencing any problems. That means they are on a direct course to announcing a vaccine. Joe says he trusts Fauci. Well, he went on to say that his informed projection calculated based on where the clinical trial sites are in their studies. In other words, they're not having any deaths from the vaccine. By my interpretation only, as a layman, as confirmed this week on this program by Dr. Oz and Dr. Nicole and and Dr. Josh, is that they're continuing because it's just like in stage two trials. What do we see in stage two trials? Nobody died. Antibodies were created. Minimal minor side effects. That's it. Now, if you read the the warning signs on a on a on a bare aspirin for crying out loud, read it. They warn you about every Tylenol, ibuprofen. So what's happening is the antibodies are being created. People are not dying. Just some cases, minor side effects, manageable by any stretch of the imagination, and that's why they're expanding it out. Fauci added, researchers need to see about 150 infections uh, occur in a vaccine trial for it to be deemed safe and effective. And he said the vaccine potentially could come sooner than November. But he's still betting on November. Really depends on where the sites are and how many infections there are in a site. So he could get an answer sooner or it might just be a bit later. It's just the bottom line is it's coming. And Fauci is acknowledging it. And Fauci had been saying 10 days earlier that, yeah, it's, it's, it's really possible that it's coming very soon. Said that to Judy Woodruff. I uh, said the only way you can see a scenario true is if that there are so many infections in the clinical trial sites that you get an efficacy answer sooner than you would have projected. Well, we might be getting that. We just don't know yet because they're not giving us all the details. Although Pfizer said they're going to remain transparent and keep us informed every step of the way, which I like. I love watching watching maskless Biden and Anderson Cooper huddling without their masks on. You know, I listen, and it's the right thing to do. He's a presidential candidate. I'm not a fan of him, but he's a presidential candidate. Anybody that gets around Joe Biden is being tested for COVID. He's one of the people that don't need to wear a mask. If you go around the president, you get tested before you get around the president. That's a good thing. And that test is apparently very accurate. So if Fauci's putting his money on a vaccine by November, December, 
latest. Uh, I think he's telling us something here. As was FISA, if anyone wants to listen to what they're actually saying, is confirmed by the medical experts on this show. So, you know, that's uh, it's you. And, and where is like the wow. How did we do this? How did we make this happen so fast? The worst pandemic since 1917 or 18. How do we break down the sequence of a virus, something that used to take years, if not a decade or longer, so quickly that let's say it's, it's October, 10 months after the first identified case of, of COVID-19 and we have a vaccine? It's miraculous. I mean, you know, I just happen to have many family members and people that are friends of mine that are in the medical profession. I really admire all of them, like teachers and firemen and EMTs and policemen. It's like, you know, everybody has their calling and, and, and something that excites them when they get up and go to work every day. One of the worst things you can do is get in a job that you hate. And, and I've done jobs I've ha- hated in my life, and it's the worst feeling. You don't want to go to work. I've never felt that way about this job, and I, that's, that's why my life changed. 33 years ago when the light went on and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I, I love this. I was horrible at it, but I loved it. I don't know anybody that ever turns on a microphone and is any good at it in the beginning. You have no f- earthly clue what the hell you're doing. That's why I would identify so much with Private Parts, the movie by Howard Stern. You know, because every, every new person on the radio, you can hear it in small markets. I love when I'm driving sometimes. I'm in like a small town. If they have a local talk station as a local host, I'm listening. It's funny, but, you know, and then you got people that are amazing at it. Um, when we come it, back. Uh, yeah, like uh, this is oh, we got Alec time. Baldwin Wait, trying our profession. Gonna, uh, when, mm-hmm. when can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever, yeah. whenever we want. Do we, do, we, do we have calls that are on there now? No calls, calls yet. No calls, no yet. calls no yet. No calls yet. What yet. number no. do people call to get on the air, Ivan? Do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm right so sorry. Me. I'm uh, so sorry. That's Interesting. 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 At uh, uh, twelve ten, at PHT. Of course, any other questions you have, any mm-hmm. other comments you have, any call other. us. Um, he hasn't had any yet. To the uh, mm-hmm. what else? Uh, mm-hmm. Call us, please, at two one five twelve ten. Now, um, if you don't call, we're going to mm-hmm. keep reading from the Scientology manual. You mm-hmm. might not feel it. You might not feel the energy right now. You might not mm-hmm. feel uh, the swell of what's mm-hmm. happening here. Do we have any calls yet, there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. Is Mm. Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, Do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? None. Boy, it's just incredible. Unbelievable. Well, you leave us no choice, listeners. Then he had to call his own mother because nobody called in. (laughs) It's hilarious. Now you'd hear these guys, and I did did the same thing. I just, we all did the same thing. It was like, you know, all right, today's weather, hazy, hot, humid throughout the afternoon, chance of late afternoon, thunderstorms. Uh, we'll have more of the latest, greatest hits from the 70s, 80s, and today, right here on ZYP. You know, used to hang out with all the DJs when I started at uh, my first talk station professional job in Huntsville, Alabama. I had the time of my life. Enjoyed every minute. I wasn't paid any money, but it just was a passion. But that's the same for cops. That's the way, I mean, can you imagine how deflated you must be as a cop going to work today? Especially knowing you're risking your life, knowing how dangerous it is, knowing how many of your fellow officers around the country have been pelted with, with 
frozen water bottles and bricks and, and rocks and Molotov cocktails and sticks and, and canes and knives and, and gunshots. Man, that's got to be deflating. Presidential candidates saying you become the you become the enemy. You know, vice presidential candidate celebrating defunding the cops in L.A. Watching these two officers in this assassination attempt. 9-11 passes. We forgot about those guys that went up when everyone else was going down, didn't we? Those two officers in the ball field with pistols and open target against a guy you know, camouflage and in, in behind the bushes with a rifle. That would be a death sentence. You're not going to win. But they walked across the field anyway. Man, the people like that are special. EMTs that literally, you know, can trach you right there on the street and save your life. You're having a heart attack, save your life if you're junky. You know, they can use Narcan and save your life if you OD. Come on, man, you junkie. Come on, man. Tested cocaine. Come on. These are such bizarre times. You know, I hope America understands what's at stake here. You know, Joe Biden, uh, Trump should step down. Okay, like I really care. I just, this guy scares me. It's so bizarre. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Everybody asks me about it. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody, you know, it's it's obvious. I just this man is struggling to say. Yeah. Hang on. Hang on. (laughs) All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. I tell you, my man. (laughs) I tell you what. If I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be, I'd be. Elected mm-hmm. president by acclamation. <laughs> you know what my, my favorite Joe Biden now is, is that listening to this young person asking him a question. Uh, can, can you scroll up? Scroll, scroll, scroll up the answer. Uh, he's so exhausted. Listen. And I would like to know, what will your administration do to help them give them that chance? Thank you. Let's move it up here. Yeah. You know... Uh, there used to be a basic bargain. Uh, I, I felt like they, if one of his super storm winds would have hit him last night, it would have blown him away. I mean, it's so sad. There's a part I'm almost feel sorry for him, but I don't because he just was, lies. Trump's going to cut your social security. A lie. He won't take care of pre-existing conditions. It's a lie. I could have saved every American life. Lie. And the mob has let him get away with it. So now Trump's going to have to do it in the debates, in my opinion. He's just going to have to say, why, why Joe? Why didn't you support the travel ban? Why, why, why didn't you want integration of schools, Joe? Why did you praise the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act? Why did you say police become the enemy and support, you know, redirecting funds away from police? Why didn't you speak out once during your convention about the, the anarchists taking over cities? Why, Joe? Why was your record with Obama a abysmal failure? Why didn't you do a thing to help Chicago where 4,000 people died when you were vice president and 20,000 were shot? Why, Joe? A lot of questions Joe needs to answer. I live free or die, America, the world on the brink. It's only 46 days. You are the ultimate jury, 40% off. If you want to know what is really at stake in this election, we lay it all out. 
the biggest choice election, tipping point election in history. Uh, Let's go to the president listing what the Democrats will do if Joe Biden is elected. And then you can listen to Joe Biden putting notes on the mirror to remind me. It's hilarious. At no time before has there been a clearer choice between two parties, two visions, two philosophies, or two agendas for the future than these two parties. You got law and order on one side and you have chaos on the other. On November 3rd, Wisconsin will decide whether we will quickly return to record prosperity or whether we will allow Biden and the Democrats to impose a $4 trillion tax hike, ban American energy, confiscate your guns, which is what they want to do, shut down the economy, destroy the suburbs. You know, they were destroying our suburbs. You know that, right? I don't know if somebody said, you're just doing okay in the suburbs. I said, how can I do okay? I saved the suburbs. What I've done is save the suburbs. You know, there's that great philosopher, uh, and he talked about uh, Jill puts notes up on my uh, on my mirror when she wants me to, more I shave, uh, to get message messages across to me. Yeah, Joe, uh, it's, it's time. Don't forget, Joe. Uh, you got you to gotta get dressed at 9.30. Take your medicine at 940. I laid out the pills. Just take the the pills that I left in the nightstand. Don't forget, Joe, to eat your breakfast. Don't forget, Joe, that you have to try and do a Zoom call on time today. What is this? Notes on the mirror. Anyway, it's 46 days out. Polls, definitely one consensus is things have been tightening. Uh, Is this something that we could ever really poll accurately? I don't know. Uh, My attitude is not going to change. If you look at some of the polls, for example, the the president has tripled his support among African-Americans post-convention. I mean, it's been as high. What we have now, nine or ten, about eight or nine polls that have come out anywhere between 19, 18, 19 percent and as high as 24 percent. The Hill reports the president's support among black voters rose nine percentage points uh, as it relates to the convention. He only won eight percent of the black vote in 2016. Same signs we're seeing as it leads to uh, Hispanic Americans. Uh, You see the new Emerson College poll has it of a 49-47 race and That is, you know, this gap within the two point margin of error. And uh, Rasmussen had Trump for now a big part of the week. Um, Rasmussen reports that is at at Trump at 51, even hitting his high of 52 percent. Those that have been living in cities and areas where there's been, well, all this unrest and anarchy, they're now supporting the president two to one. Uh, Joe Biden got caught in a whopper of a lie by saying every death could have been prevented. No. And Anderson Cooper never bothered to ask him why for over two months late into March. This guy is saying that the travel ban was hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. Uh, That was the single best decision made by anybody as it relates to COVID-19. Of course, Democrats, the mob, the media, they won't even ask Joe about hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. Uh, Joe was, you know, out there. He wasn't talking about PPE or masks or social distancing. And he was out there campaigning through what? I guess June. Matt Towery, syndicated columnist and pollster. John McLaughlin, pollster strategist. Scott Rasmussen, host of uh, Number of Days, a, a new podcast on justthenews.com where he does polling for John Solomon's new website. Uh, welcome uh, all of you to the program. All right, let's start with a quick synopsis. John McLaughlin, where do you see this race? 
with just 46 days to go. Uh, the race is definitely tightening where the president was behind. He's now even or in some places ahead. As you mentioned, the Rasmussen report has us a point ahead as of as of Wednesday, 47, 46. And you have uh, today the job approvals at 53. But it's really a, a, a trend that has been moving since the day that Joe Biden signed that 110-page unity socialist deal, where he even signed on to cashless bail with Bernie Sanders. And then he picked Kamala Harris, who gave him no bounce. And then they had their pessimistic doom and gloom convention versus the Republicans' optimism. And the president has been, by the way, forget all the polls right now. Forget all the polls. Follow the candidates. Joe Biden is following the president. He went to he went to Kenosha, the president, after Biden told him don't go. Joe Biden was there two days later. The president's going to be in Minnesota tonight. He was in Nevada last weekend, Nevada and Arizona. The president, uh, Joe Biden was doing a town hall in Pennsylvania. Joe Biden is following the president in states he's afraid the president's going to win. And that's hard because Biden has to bring his teleprompter wherever he goes. Because when he went to Florida the other day, the teleprompter had to give two speeches. So, and last night's softball town hall for him was definitely eclipsed by President Trump's rally in Wisconsin. So forget the polls now. Watch where the candidates are going. That's the most valuable commodity in the campaign. And if Biden's people are sending him to Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Florida, they're trying to stop us from winning those states, and we're doing very well. Your take, Scott Rasmussen. Well, I generally agree with John that the race is tightening, and it certainly has tightened from a month or two ago. Uh, Right now, my latest polling shows that Joe Biden is still up by five points among likely voters, uh, and Donald Trump is getting 11 percent of the African-American vote. But look, the biggest challenge for pollsters this cycle is trying to identify who are the likely voters. We've never polled during a pandemic before. And uh, so we're trying to figure out exactly who it is is going to show up and vote. And John is right. These toss-up states, these battleground states um, appear very, very close uh, within the margin of error. And the issues are trending a little bit in President Trump's direction. Uh, Instead of talking about the health part of the pandemic, we're more talking about people are more concerned about the economic impact. Uh, Instead of talking about the civil rights and social uh, or the racial equality issues that were dominating early in the summer. There's more of a focus on law and order. 48% of voters fear that violence could come to their communities. Those shifts help the president. And Sean, the other big issue that, you know, we're, we're not bringing up right now or that not a lot of people are talking about, there's an event on September 29th, a presidential debate. Usually I spend the entire week before a debate saying it won't matter. This year, I think it might. I think it's going to matter a lot, actually. And, you know, Joe has not been pressed at all. He didn't get pressed at all. He got pressed on one question, fracking. Um, and, and, and by the way, and then he gave both answers. I'm like, did I just hear what I heard? Matt Towery, <laughs> how do you see the race now? Uh, I see the race tightening in the national polls. I'm concerned about the battleground states. Michigan trending down, Arizona trending down, Florida going back and forth. And to be honest with you, we have the best candidate in Donald Trump that I've ever seen. I, if I, I could never ask for, ask for a better candidate than Donald Trump. He works himself to death. He is the reason he's in this game. But I can tell you, I'm here in the, in the, in the swing county of the swing state of the entire country in Pinellas County, Florida. The ads have not been there, Sean. They're just beginning to drip and drab out. We have lost ground here. And I hear stories that we have these massive organizations for Trump in these various states. Uh, You can't find a sign. You can't find a bumper sticker. No one's knocked on a door. 
I challenge the Trump campaign to live up to their candidate because Donald Trump can win, but he can't do it if we act like we're saving the money for Election Day because most people are going to vote before Election Day. We've already started. This election has started right now. Well, I I tend to agree with you. I'd like to see parity with the the ads run. I mean, when you're 46 days out, it's no, you know, you don't hold back. It's you flood the zone. Um, That that's somewhat troubling to me if they're not running as many ads. Um, You know, I and the Joe Biden ads are just full of lies. I mean, John McLaughlin, I watched these Biden ads. You would think he is the pillar of strength and and health. And it's just so phony and fake. I mean, it's so the opposite of what we're really witnessing. And on the other hand, then he's out there lying. He's going to take away your Medicare and he's going to he's going to take away pre-existing conditions and destroy your health care. Well, ab- absolutely. You're, they're running a it, it's kind of this. The, the tele, it's what they talk about political as political consultants, what we get criticized for. When you're when you're running this campaign and and it's not what the reality is there. But Biden is Biden. You know, and the other part too is the Republicans. We have to do our own ground game, et cetera. There's all these nonprofits that are working for uh, the the Biden campaign, while he's able to invest in TV. They, you have these nonprofits doing their get out the vote for them and registering voters, et cetera. So this is a real battle. And as far as the truth, the media doesn't. They don't challenge him. They don't ask him the truth. When he when he attacks the president on the virus, no one in the media says anything about Joe Biden, you know, opposing the travel bans, about Joe Biden saying it wasn't going to be that bad. I mean, there's all these statements that he said back in January, February, March, where he was criticizing the president, what he had to do to protect the country. And the media's totally forgotten those things. They have Joe Biden's memory right now. Well, maybe that's and, where the uh, ad campaign has to come in, uh, Matt Towery, to to counter that phony narrative, because it's a phony narrative. And now during a yeah, debate, I mean, well, the president can do it. But and, and that debate will be highly watched is what I would anticipate. Well, with regard to the debate, I, I think the president should be challenging Joe Biden. Can he come up to the stage with eight, without 8,000 books and notes to look at? That's what they're going to try to do if they even show up to debate, which I'm still not convinced will happen. But as to the ad- whoa, whoa, whoa. how does he get out of debating? I, I don't think that's going to fly with the American people. You know what, Sean? They have been able to get away with so much. You saw the George Stephanopoulos town hall the other night. I mean, I'm a former Newt Gingrich guy, and I was in news. Now, if I'd been up there and I had berated someone the way George Stephanopoulos did, I would have been massacred by the media. Towery's biased. He's a Republican. When I when I retired from TV, half the people called in and said they were glad to see liberal Towery leave because I called it like it is. That Do you want to laugh? Up. I was up head to head against that town hall on cable, and mm-hmm. and we won by almost a million more viewers. I mean, that yeah, tells I, you. No, no, but, no. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> nobody trusts the the mob and the media. Nobody believes them anymore. They've lost all credibility. They're state run television. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I do think that they are helping the president in the sense that they they gang on so much. It becomes so obvious. It's a repeat of 2016 all over again. They don't learn anything. I don't see a lot of enthusiasm. And I think a lot of Trump supporters are not going to tell any of you pollsters a thing if they're voting for Donald Trump. They're just not going to talk to you, Scott. You know, Sean, I when you talk about enthusiasm, I think this gets back to another comparison to 2016. It appears that the Biden campaign thinks that all you have to do is hate Donald Trump. All you have to do is say the president is not acceptable. Um, the fact is, in 2016, Donald Trump talked more about issues than Hillary Clinton. The fact is, he's talking more about issues than Joe Biden this time around. And I do believe that that is a mistake by the Democrats to focus exclusively and rely exclusively on the fact 
that uh, Donald Trump's character is going to win the election for the Democrats. Uh, I think that's a gift to the Trump campaign. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll watch. I think one of the things now there's a fine line for the president in this debate. Let's analyze this, John McLaughlin, in terms of I would say, you know, Joe Biden is going to memorize his lines. He'll be pretty efficient at it. I would assume he's going to have a lot of, you know, Red Bull or Monster or Rockstar uh, energy drinks, coffee before the debate. So he'd be wide awake for I guess. How long does the debate go on for an hour? Well, I'll tell you what, let me get to this on the other side. And but this is important to me. Because he's going to face a situation that he's not had to face ever, and that is some opposition. Because Donald Trump will have the chance to challenge him. All right, so we only have a minute and a half with our pollsters. That's 30 seconds each. We'll start with you, John McLaughlin. How does the president thread the needle asking Joe, challenging Joe in a debate without coming off as maybe too rude to to the, the ever frail and weak Joe? Well, the president, he'll be himself. And... and he will be direct. He'll answer the questions. But the worst part is Joe Biden will do fine in the debate. He's debated already this, this year plenty of times. He's, he gave his speech. They'll have him pumped up. And the media will go easy on him. They won't let us lengthen the questions to, like, two minutes or anything like that because uh, that's when he makes gaffes. So, uh, uh, so I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go lowering expectations on Joe Biden because he has debated this year. He survived Kamala Harris. And uh, we, we need to make sure that the media is fair and treats him as tough as they do Donald Trump. Matt Towery. Sean, I've done a little debating in my years, and I would suggest this. The president's not debating Joe Biden. He's debating the moderator. And he needs to force that moderator to ask the tough questions of Joe Biden. He needs to ask that moderator, why have you not asked him about this? Why have you not asked him about that? And at some point, the moderator is either going to have to be fair or what's going to be become very clear that uh, it's a one-sided debate, which we saw in many instances. I think if they force it fair, if they ask the tough questions, Trump will destroy Biden in these debates. Last word, Scott. The president needs to get topics out in the discussion that nobody wants to talk about in the media coverage. Uh, You know, Joe Biden says that China is not an opponent. It's just a competitor. But somehow Russia is an opponent. Uh, I think the president needs to bring these issues up and then let Joe Biden talk about them for two minutes. Yeah, I do. And I think he can turn to Joe. And Joe, you said this. And Joe, you didn't support the travel ban or the quarantine or the subsequent travel bans. And, Joe, you said not a single American would die. You know, I mean, I, I, there's things, Joe, you, you talked about racial jungles if we integrated our schools. Are you sorry for saying that? He can ask those questions. Uh, all right, guys, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Quick break, 800-941-SHAWN. You want to be a part of the program. We told you about what was going on in Nashville. The government there, they're, they're absolutely lying about the low incidence of covid when they could have allowed businesses to get back up and running in jobs, keep people working in their jobs. They didn't. We'll explain. John Rich next. Well, we're coming to your city. Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song. We'll all be flying higher than a jetliner. And if you want a little bang in your yin-yang, come along. Cincinnati, and we all got really happy. Grabbed a bowl of that skyline chili along the way. Then we rolled on into Canton, scared the hell out of Marilyn Manson, and the party started happening. Hey, hey, hey. And in the middle of 
of a Charleston night We ran into Jessica White And a little moonshine got us right from smoking And we're coming to your city Gonna play our guitars and sing you a country song Rich, big and rich, and wow, we have one ticked off country music star and bar owner, Redneck Riviera guy, country star John Rich taking issue with the Tennessee mayor, a Democrat, his name's John Cooper, Nashville, after it was discovered by a Fox affiliate down there that the politician's uh, office was keeping important and vital coronavirus data from the public because the figures were so low. In other words, it wouldn't justify the draconian measures that they were putting on on business owners and residents in the great city of Nashville. Anyway, the emails between Cooper's senior advisor and the city health department revealed that there were low incidences, number of cases emerging from bars and restaurants. And this is now, you know, people's livelihood on the line here. And uh, anyway, uh, it's gutted. You know, he said, Mayor John Cooper has betrayed our town. He's betrayed Music City. He is the Judas to this town. He's now the New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio of the South. Wow. John Rich joins us now, of the hit duo Big and Rich. I don't blame you for being pissed off. I mean, I, I don't even want to ask you. I mean, you pay a lot of money in, I'm sure, either rent or you own the building or mortgage every month. How many employees work at Redneck Riviera? Hey, Sean. Well, it's not many, not how many that work there, how many used to work there. Ask it that way. Okay. How many, how many used to work used there? To work? 91. It's a lot of people. Nine, 91 just in my bar. So I'm not upset on my behalf uh, that the business is shut down. Do I like that? No. Will I recover from that? Yes, eventually. Sure. But I'm talking about musicians, bartenders, waitresses, security guys, barbacks, all the people that do the actual work and bring the talent to the places in our town that drive millions of people from all over our country and even around the world to Nashville, Tennessee, to Music City. Those people cannot recover. Uh, those, those people, most of them have moved back to wherever it was they came from in the first place. Sean, I know of, of direct stories of musicians that were pawning their instruments, selling their, their cars, selling their equipment, trying to keep their rent going so they could try to weather through this until Mayor Cooper would turn everything back on and they could go back and do what it is they love to do, which is making music and chasing down the American dream. But he never turned it back on. And so they didn't recover, and they went back home. And now we find out that at the fingertips of this mayor the entire time, he had the numbers. He had the proof that said, I don't need to do this level of a shutdown because that's not where these cases are coming from. But he didn't do that. He killed the one thing that makes our city tick, and that's our music. Well, I mean, it is it is def it defines Music Row. It defines Nashville. It's what makes the it a destination city now, and and Nashville's been growing by leaps and bounds in part because of less regulation, low taxes. 
Uh, and it, it just seems to be the antithesis of what people expect when they go move to Nashville. I mean, you know, you, you're seeing more and more people. They're, they are leaving New York, California, New Jersey, Illinois in, in droves. And many are going to Texas and Florida. They're going to the Carolinas and they're going to Tennessee. I know tons of people moving there. Well, the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, uh, yesterday declined Mayor Cooper's request for $82 million more in COVID relief aid because he said, I'm not convinced that Mayor Cooper handled the last COVID relief money ethically. And so he turned it down. So this mayor's actions, the fact that you lie and mislead and, I mean, just straight up lead us down a path that is so destructive now our governor is saying no more i'm not going to give you any more at at the behest of everyone that lives here i'll say this this mayor has brought unity to a town that i would say is probably 50 percent republican 50 percent democrat we're pretty much split in nashville but we're all unified now that this mayor has hung us out to dry and i think yeah the word judas fits him very well and you know his brother is jim cooper He's our congressman. He's the one that represents Nashville and our area in Congress. So you've got Mayor Cooper running the town, and his brother is our congressman, and this is what they pull on us. And by the way, this happens right after you guys went through a a horrific uh, round of tornadoes down there, and I I talked about it at the time, and I talked to a lot of my friends, including yourself at the time. I mean, it was devastating, and it hit with virtually no warning whatsoever, and it hit at night and it knocked down the power grid in a lot of areas. How's that? How's that recovery? Yeah, you know, the tornadoes ripped us up. Then comes COVID. During COVID in June, while he had this information and made his moves like he did. He decided to yank our taxes up on everybody in Nashville by 34% property tax hike. He did that, too. You know what I'm and thinking? I'm thinking that. John Rich for mayor. What do you think? <laughs> God, are you kidding me? No, I'll I'm not kidding. What. No, 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 I'm not kidding you. I'm, I'm dead serious. Well, it'd be, be a lot more fun. I know that. I, I would like to see somebody that actually loves our town and loves what our town is about. I love Nashville. You know I love Ma- Nashville. I've, I've been able to hang with you. I was at the Redneck Riviera in Vegas with you and, and Big right. Kenny. This is when, by the way, Linda was being weird and dancing on her own, which is a whole other side story. <laughs> you know, I just think it's a little weird to go out on the dance floor and just, like, tear it up, but you're by yourself. Um, okay. I was in the— Okay, I was in, hold, hold on a minute. Oh, First of me. all— Excuse me. Did you, oh, okay, hold you on. Wanna, oh, okay. John is on my side. I don't know if you know this. No, he's not on your side. Oh, he so You is. know she can tear it up, and so, you know she's a great singer, right? Sean, jo- I hate to tell you, I hate to tell you, I am on Linda's side with I was hanging out at the back of the bar shooting whiskey, which I I only do with you. And you know, every time I've oh, ever been out with you, that is some delicious whiskey you make, John. Oh my God! No, no listen, uh, I, I can I can. <laughs> it's about the only whiskey I'll ever drink is when I'm hanging with John Rich. And you you cannot hang out with John Rich without literally him forcing you. And I'm a pretty strong guy, you know, to just suck down oh, these yeah, shots Sean, of whiskey. Oh, yeah, Sean, it was a real struggle to get you to drink that whiskey. Well, You're right. No, because I went in the back so of the hard. bar, and if you serve the country, you get a free shot of Redneck Riviera whiskey. And I was hanging mm-hmm. out with those guys. So a new group comes in, I'd have to do a shot with them. Another group comes, do another <laughs> shot with them. And I was in the bathroom for an hour after. 
Life is hard. It's just it's so, so hard. hard. Oh, Sean, oh. Filter, I mean, Sean, if you, if you told the truth right now, and you don't have to, but you're actually <laughs> sitting in your underwear with a cocktail right now. I'm you're, su- you're such a jackass. John. You know what? The funniest thing is, John, he's got like this huge pad with a... Um, a really cool bar in his basement with the the ability for the bands to come and play in his basement. I just have never been invited to the basement. I don't know. I didn't make the cut list. Well, did you sing Charlie Daniels and he decided to call it quits right there. He was like, oh, yeah, right. by the way, how much do we miss Charlie Daniels? I loved him. A lot. Oh, my word. Miss him so much. I was able to I actually conducted his final interview, Sean. I've got a little show on Fox Nation called The Pursuit about the pursuit of happiness. And I interviewed Charlie Daniels about his pursuit of happiness in America. And three weeks later, he passed away. God rest his soul. You know what was amazing? He actually wrote a book once about, you know, don't look at the empty seats. Because sometimes if you're performing maybe a remote area or something, you don't, you know, maybe it's half capacity or whatever. And he's like, I don't care. Those the people that showed up, they came to see me. And I'm, I'm here right. to give them all I have. I love that attitude. Well, well, Sean, the attitude that Charlie Daniels and how much he loved his music and his craft and, and what that brought to his life, and that's exactly what, who I'm talking about in Nashville. These are people that you don't know their names yet, but there is another Charlie Daniels somewhere out there. You know, they come to Nashville to become the next Charlie Daniels, and they play in places like my bar, Redneck Riviera, to gain that platform and to go there. That's why it's called music city and to have a mayor that well, if somebody that wants to play right to do it and they want to yeah. get on stage in your bar redneck riviere it's a beautiful place if they want to play and they and how do you vet them and decide okay you got a shot you're in tuesday night yeah well uh, at my bar i actually uh i look at all the submissions so i tell our guys hey you send me everything that comes in i want to watch these guys and girls i, I let me pick them out and so I actually personally look at them and, you know, there was a bartender one time I heard get up and sing and I thought, wow, that girl is incredible. That was Gretchen Wilson. You know what I mean? No way. And she went, yeah, dude, she was my bartender and got up and sang. And I think I went, Gretchen Wilson's afraid of me. She never does an interview with me. She never <laughs> talked to me. You should be afraid of her because if you can't <laughs> hang with me, you definitely can't hang with Gretchen. Uh, come on, she can out party John. She can out party John Rich. I'm not. I'm not buying that. I don't think anybody uh, can. Hey, Ty goes to you know Ty goes to the runner. I don't know. Well, we have yeah. to, we'd have to try. But those kind of people are the ones that are downtown in Nashville. That's why I'm so upset. I love that. There are people with massive potential that are down there, and this mayor shut us down when he didn't have to. And You're that's right. why this is such a big deal. Dreams are made and also shattered. Remember, you know, Garth Brooks went from Oklahoma to Nashville. He went back home. Then he went back again. You know, it's it's yep. not a it's not a, a done deal. Our good friend John Rich is with us, a big and rich, and he owns the Redneck Riviera. How many? I know you have one in Vegas. I know you have one in downtown Nashville. Do you have any others? Uh, we have a few in the works. Obviously, uh, COVID kind of slowed that down. But yeah, there's a lot of people around the country that would love to see a bar like that come to their town. We uh, we fly the American flag. We fly the Gadsden flag. We uh, have a bar called the Heroes Bar, where if you're active duty or a veteran or a first responder, first drinks on the house. You know, we, we respect our country. We love uh, that we have the right to be in business and to chase our dreams and and. We make a big deal about those men and women. So I look forward to opening them up 
all over America. I love the fact, and, and he's not kidding, they have a back bar. If you're active duty or a vet, you go back there and you get a free shot of whiskey. And that's Redneck Riviera whiskey. Although I think Grandma's version is your bestseller, isn't it? <laughs> Granny Rich Reserve, yeah. You yeah, know, you I know, find I this amazing because your dad was a fire and brimstone preacher, and then you got Granny Whiskey, and then you got, what do we, skip a generation <laughs> in this family or what? I think it did. You know, actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought her up. Granny, uh, she actually passed away about six oh. weeks ago, man. No. Big loss, big loss oh. uh, to our family, but what a lady and what a what an example of what it means to love your country and work hard and play hard and just be a great American. And yeah, that whiskey's out there with her name on it. And we give 10% of all those bottles to the folds of honor, as you know, and put kids great, through college. Great organization. Combat. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, she, yeah, she's got quite a lot. I love she's left behind. But what the amazing thing too, is like you can on any given night, either by yourself, you go do your own solo set or you and uh, big Kenny will go out there and you just play for hours. And you just play until you feel like stopping, and you don't start. You, you don't stop, and you're just jamming and just playing your songs yeah. and playing other people's songs, and and then yeah. you know people just doing duets with you, you know, or whatever happens happens. And if you love music, I mean, it's a city unlike any other. Uh, you think this mayor's finished now, or do you think that uh, is music row going to open up again? Man, there there are the pressure on him now is so immense. You know, they found out that um, you know through this revelation that I think it was 22 cases of COVID were traced back to Broadway, which is where all the bars are. 22 out of thousands and thousands of cases, but they found out that several thousand cases were generated from construction sites because Nashville is exploding from construction sites. But guess what? Wasn't shut down construction sites. You know why? Because uh, the mayor just amped up the taxes by 34% on property. So he wasn't going to shut those down, but he shut down the main vein of what brings people to our town. I mean, the well, whole if he's going to follow in the policies of high taxation, like California, New York, New Jersey, yeah. and, and Chicago, guess what? People will start leaving Tennessee. They'll go to Florida. They'll go to the Carolinas. They'll go to Texas. They're going to get the hell well, out of there. That's, not, that's it's dumb. It's Tennessee. It's not Tennessee. It's Nashville. It's Nashville. So, All right. Well, then, yeah, you know, Nashville's the best part of Tennessee from my perspective. I, I love I love other yeah. parts of it. All right. Got to yeah, roll. Dude, Thanks. I mean, oh, all right, brother. Love you. Thanks. All right. John Rich, Big and Rich, Redneck Riviera Whiskey. We'll put it up on Hannity.com. Quick break. We'll come back. News Roundup, Information Overload Hour coming next as we continue. All right, live free or die, America, the world on the brink. If you haven't gotten your copy, this is your definitive guide. What is at stake? How dangerous uh, this agenda, stated agenda of Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, is radicalism that has never before been on any major party presidential ticket. You know, Chapter 4, I've talked a lot about its socialism and its history of failure. The president gave a speech yesterday. By the way, you can get the book at Amazon.com, 40% off if you haven't gotten a copy. Also on sale this weekend, Costco's, Walmart, Target, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble, Discounted, which I love, because it's the outcome in 46 days that matters the most to all of us, right? Uh, but anyway, so the president gives a speech yesterday on the Constitution and teaching pro-America principles in our school, because I think a lot of that's been gone. And they've now become little indoctrination centers as the left has gravita gravitated towards academia. 
Anyway, I want to play this because this is this this didn't get any play in the mob. And it's an important speech that the president gave. Our mission is to defend the legacy of America's founding, the virtue of America's heroes and the nobility of the American character. We must clear away the twisted web of lies in our schools and classrooms and teach our children the magnificent truth about our country. We want our sons and daughters to know that they are the citizens of the most exceptional nation in the history of the world. (laughs) To grow up in America is to live in a land where anything is possible, where anyone can rise, and where any dream can come true, all because of the immortal principles of our nation's founders inscribed nearly two and a half centuries ago. That's why we've come to the National Archives, the sacred home of our national memory. In this great chamber, we preserve our glorious inheritance, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. On this very day in 1787, our founding fathers signed the Constitution at Independence Hall in Philadelphia. It was the fulfillment of a thousand years of Western civilization. Our Constitution was the product of centuries of tradition, wisdom, and experience. No political document has done more to advance the human condition or propel the engine of progress. Yet as we gather this afternoon, a radical movement is attempting to demolish this treasured and precious inheritance. We can't let that happen. (laughs) Left-wing mobs have torn down statues of our founders, desecrated our memorials, and carried out a campaign of violence and anarchy. Far-left demonstrators have chanted the words, America was never great. The left has launched a vicious and violent assault on law enforcement, the universal symbol of the rule of law in America. These radicals have been aided and abetted by liberal politicians, establishment media, and even large corporations. Whether it is the mob on the street or the cancel culture in the boardroom, the goal is the same, to silence dissent, to scare you out of speaking the truth, and to bully Americans into abandoning their values, their heritage, and their very way of life. We are here today to declare that we will never submit to tyranny. We will reclaim our history and our country for citizens of every race, color, religion, and creed. The radicals burning American flags want to burn down the principles enshrined in our founding documents, including the bedrock principle of equal justice under law. In order to radically transform America, they must first cause Americans to lose confidence in who we are, where we came from, and what we believe. As I said at Mount Rushmore, 
which they would love to rip down and rip it down fast. That's never going to happen. Two months ago, the left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. As many of you testified today, the left-wing rioting and mayhem are the direct result of decades of left-wing indoctrination in our schools. It's gone on far too long. Our children are instructed from propaganda tracks, like those of Howard Zinn, that try to make students ashamed of their own history. The left has warped, distorted, and defiled the American story with deceptions, falsehoods, and lies. There is no better example than the New York Times totally discredited 1619 Project. This project rewrites American history to teach our children that we were founded on the principle of oppression, not freedom. Nothing could be further from the truth. America's founding set in motion the unstoppable chain of events that abolished slavery, secured civil rights, defeated communism and fascism, and built the most fair, equal, and prosperous nation in human history. The narratives about America being pushed by the far left and being chanted in the streets bear a striking resemblance to the anti-American propaganda of our adversaries because both groups want to see America weakened, derided, and totally diminished. Students in our universities are inundated with critical race theory. This is a Marxist doctrine holding that America is a wicked and racist nation, that even young children are complicit in oppression, and that our entire society must be radically transformed. Critical race theory is being forced into our children's schools. It's being imposed into workplace trainings, and it's being deployed to rip apart friends, neighbors, and families. A perfect example of critical race theory was recently published by the Smithsonian Institution. This document alleged that concepts such as hard work, rational thinking, and the nuclear family and belief in God were not values that unite all Americans, but were instead aspects of whiteness. This is offensive and outrageous to Americans of every ethnicity, and it's especially harmful to children of minority backgrounds who should be uplifted, not disparaged. Teaching this horrible doctrine to our children is a form of child abuse in the truest sense of those words. For many years now, the radicals have mistaken Americans' silence for weakness, but they're wrong. There is no more powerful force than a parent's love for their children, and patriotic moms and dads are going to demand that their children are no longer fed hateful lies about this country. American parents are not going to accept indoctrination in our schools, cancel culture in our work, 
or the repression of traditional faith, culture, and values in the public square? Not anymore. Thank you very much. We embrace the vision of Martin Luther King where children are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. The left is attempting to destroy that beautiful vision and divide Americans by race in the service of political power. By viewing every issue through the lens of race, they want to impose a new segregation, and we must not allow that to happen. Critical race theory, the 1619 Project, and the crusade against American history is toxic propaganda, ideological poison that, if not removed, will dissolve the civic bonds that tie us together will destroy our country. That is why I recently banned trainings in this prejudiced ideology from the federal government and banned it in the strongest manner possible. The only path to national unity is through our shared identity as Americans. That is why it is so urgent that we finally restore patriotic education to our schools. Under our leadership, the National Endowment for the Humanities has awarded a grant to support the development of a pro-American curriculum that celebrates the truth about our nation's great history. Today, I'm also pleased to announce that I will soon sign an executive order establishing a national commission to promote patriotic education. It will be called the 1776 Commission. Thank you. It will encourage our educators to teach our children about the miracle of American history and make plans to honor the 250th anniversary of our founding. Think of that, 250 years. Recently, I also signed an executive order to establish the National Garden of American Heroes, a vast outdoor park that will feature the statues of the greatest Americans who have ever lived. Today, I'm announcing a new name for inclusion. One of the 56 Signers of the Declaration of Independence was a patriot from Delaware. For nearly a century, a statue of one of Delaware's most beloved citizens stood in Rodney Square, right in the heart of Wilmington. But this past June, Caesar Rodney's statue was ordered removed by the mayor and local politicians as part of a radical purge of America's founding generation. Today, because of an order I signed, if you demolish a statue without permission, you immediately get 10 years in prison. And there have been no statues demolished for the last four months, incredibly, 
since the time I signed that act. Joe Biden said nothing as to his home state's history and the fact that it was dismantled and dismembered and a founding father's statue was removed. Today, America will give this founding father, this very brave man who was so horribly treated, the place of honor he deserves. I am announcing that the statue of Caesar Rodney will be added to the National Guard of American heroes. From Washington to Lincoln, from Jefferson to King, America has been home to some of the most incredible people who have ever lived. With the help of everyone here today, the legacy of 1776 will never be erased. Our heroes will never be forgotten. Our youth will be taught to love America with all of their heart and all of their soul. We will save this cherished inheritance for our children, for their children, and for every generation to come. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you very much. So that was a speech from the president uh, yesterday on the Constitution and teaching pro-American principles in our schools. Well, why are more people talking about this? Certainly the left is not talking about it. Their stated policies would destroy the greatest wealth-creating system on Earth. All right, live free or die, America, the world on the brink. You are the ultimate jury in 46 days. We continue the best election coverage available on your radio dial. If you haven't picked up a copy, everything that is in play what, what, how high the stakes are we put in Live Free or Die? Now, 40% off if you go to Amazon.com. Uh, on sale, uh, deep discounts at Costco's, Walmart, Target, and Books a Million and Barnes and Noble. If you're out and about this weekend, you have your bookstores open near you. I hope you'll pick up a copy if you haven't yet. Uh, or just go to Amazon.com, 40% off. Um, so Joe is like the doom and gloom candidate. The weak, frail I mean, he's so pathetically weak. I, I, I watched him last night. And it's like you can, like, knock him over with a feather. You know, you just feel like, oh, if you got a heavy wind gust, he'd f- go flying. I just, he just is not strong. He has no strength, no core. It's actually bizarre. Um, and, you know, it's, it, that's why he's not doing many events. He can't. Uh, but, but putting all of that aside, but he is doom and gloom. There wouldn't have been one single American die from COVID. I'm like, okay. He just makes makes it up as he goes along if he was in charge. And I'm going to get all the PPE and I'm going to do this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, Donald Trump did that ages ago. And we're on the we're literally now potentially weeks away from a, a vaccine available for those that would want to or choose to get it. As you look at the final stage I went through the whole Pfizer uh, study yesterday on the program. I won't repeat it and talked about it earlier. Um, And then it's doom and gloom on the environment and superstorms. Listen. We have four more years of Trump's climate denial. How many suburbs will be burned in wildfires? How many suburban neighborhoods will have been flooded out? How many suburbs will have been blown away? in superstorms. If you give a climate denier four more years in the White House, why would anyone be surprised when more of America is underwater? 
So Donald Trump, let me get this. If Joe Biden was president, and, he, and you got to even give credit because even the dopey Washington Post says Joe fabricated his bizarre comments on coronavirus. It's just false. He's just lying. And what he, you know, what I can see what the strategy is, I'm going to act outraged over everything. And this is doom and gloom. And if I was the, the president, uh, I could have prevented all, every American, not one American death from coronavirus. Yeah, that would render, even Bob Woodward would probably think that that would render him unfit to be president. Because you got the Washington Post and even a few other outlets, they couldn't let that one go. They cover for everything else from this guy that he could have prevented every death. And this climate denier. What do you mean climate denier? What are you talking about? We lowered em- emissions have gone down in this country. Uh, from day one, I'll put us back in the Paris Climate Accords. Oh, the accords that would allow countries like China and India to be classified as as developing nations so that only the U.S. is caught paying the the high cost of of the draconian rules that the rest of the world wants to put on us regarding emissions. No, that's not going to fly, Joe. The days of bad deals like you made with Iran should be over. Superstorms that are going to. Uh, flood us out and blow communities away. I'm like, this guy's out of his mind. And then he said, do you support the Green New Deal? Of course I support it. My, my plan I, goes even further. Trillions of dollars further? How do you expect you're going to pay for that? Then we're going to literally eliminate the energy sector. He gave both, he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth on fracking last night. I mean, he just sounds like an idiot. And Anderson Cooper gives him a pass. I mean, it's pretty pathetic. Uh, anyway, joining us uh, on whether or not suburbs and are going to be blown away, and should we? It's like we've never had a flood before. I guess Noah built that ark for nothing. But anyway, weatherbelt.com official meteorologist of the Sean Hannity Show, Joe Bastardi is with us. He's got this fascinating new book. I've read it cover to cover: the weaponization of weather in the phony climate war. Now, you know you're going to get hit just on the title alone. Now, what they don't know, your critics, and they will be critics, is that you live, eat, breathe, sleep weather. You're one of these crazy people that for years were out there storm chasing, which is a very dangerous thing to do. But I'm fascinated by Mother Nature as much as anybody. I find it amazing. But your knowledge of, of weather and its history and its long history and these ever-changing patterns of weather and then how we we go go through consistent patterns and then they change it's all part of the natural process uh what was your reaction to what joe biden said about superstorms blowing suburbs away well i think if we look at the standalone page in my book the heavens declare the glory of god and the skies proclaim the work of his hands I don't think Donald Trump is in charge of the weather, and I don't think uh, Joe Biden, with all due respect, can stop the weather from doing uh, what the weather does. And uh, this is uh, this has turned into, uh, after my 45 years in the field and the last 30 years of watching this debate go on, including with people I know and respect on the other side of the issue, there are people like that. Uh, it's been hijacked for a political purpose, and I'm going to lay, lay this out in front of you right here, and it's in my book. First of all, your book, Sean, 
kids should read that book. If it were, if that book were around when I was in grade school, it would be a textbook in school. It's, a, it's an unbelievably great book. I'm not just saying that. But look, this was. Oh, by the way, I, I couldn't put a cover on my book like yours. You and Pete Hegseth with this Macho Man covers. I mean, you crack me up, the two of you. But those that don't know, cover. Joe Bastardi's a workout fanatic. And he's, he's built and he's strong. I could still kick his ass because I do martial arts, but no, I mean, he's strong. I, no, I you're was, strong. I was, no, let me tell you something. I was totally deflated last time we were on set together where you suggested this book, which didn't deflate me because I did. You're, tw- you're twice my size. You're the guy that suggested the book to me, and I said, I'm not doing this. And then I started thinking that, you know, I've watched Rocky Six a lot. I still had some things in the basement, some things that had to come out that did not come <laughs> out in the first book. So I watch that all the time. Rocco, the Rocco, clean, so I cried clean it out. Of it. Is it gone? So, clean so, out the basement. Yeah. So, so let me explain what's going on here. Why is it phony? First of all, I, listen, I use satire all the time. I'm no warrior. I, 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 this is what gets me. Warriors... This is not a war. You want a war? Then go serve our country and see what these guys went through. That's insulting to call this a war. That's why you see me in that getup and all this other stuff. There's a daisy out of a toy machine gun and the peace symbol. So that's fine. Calling it a war is people trying to elevate themselves to this higher calling. The other reason why it's phony, it, it is not about climate and science anymore. It's about an an absolute truth versus relative truth and our way of life. God's absolute truth is written in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Joe Biden, I hope you're listening, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is an absolute truth. What happens when relative truth, for instance, like Marxism, gets in the way or uh, the playing field keeps changing. Well, guess what happened? You have to start obeying other men, and it gets in the way of the greatest gift God could ever give you, which is free will. So I love my country. I love my Lord above, okay? And I love the weather. Since three years old, this is all I ever wanted to do. Study the weather, forecast the weather. That's my job. So what's happened is the weather is under attack. It's being dragged through the mud now for a political purpose. And what I'm sitting there going, if, if, look, if you had someone you loved was being abused and dragged through the mud, wouldn't you stand up and defend that person and defend those foundations? So I, I, I pay compliments to some of the, the, the unbelievably valuable research on the other side of the aisle. There's some really good people in there, believe me, okay? Uh, but they're, now they have been taken over. A lot of their, what their research has been taken over. So what I do in the book, folks, it's easy. It's, it, it's like shooting fish in a barrel because I know all these situations, not because I'm brilliant, but because this is all I love and all I want to do. What I do in the book is I just lay it out chapter after chapter about how show examples of how the weather was worse before the 1930s. If I did not study the 1930s, I would not have believed that it could have happened with the heat, the wildfires, the hurricanes. It's it's unbelievable what was going on. So there are countless examples. But let me tell you something, folks. Let me tell you something. Okay, this has become such an indoctrination. And one of the other reasons I wrote this is because. There's, a, there's an air of fear 
in our young people today. And I really, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of guys I used to coach, they have kids that are 12, 13 years old. They're afraid that they have no life, that the world is going to go underwater. So what I did at the end of the book, in the chapter 14 in the book, I believe it is, is I offer a suggestion. And the Republicans, the Republicans actually have part of that suggestion. I'm not trying to be political, but they're right. They have the Trillion Tree Project that they're talking about. If you look at the keel, what we call the Keeling Curve, with CO2, it goes down every summer because the northern hemisphere greens. So there is an imbalance. Now, what's causing that imbalance? Is it man? Is it the oceans? You know, the oceans outsource CO2? I don't know. But the point of the matter is, you can do that. Who is going to stand against an environmental answer? Nuclear power. Even James Hansen, who's sort of the godfather of global warming. Hey, nuclear power, he's, he's been advocating that. I've been advocating that. It's amazing, we're, we, folks. We are prisoners to Jane Fonda and the China Syndrome. When that movie was made, it scared the daylights out of everyone. This is the United States of America. We could build safe nuclear powers. I think Dan Crenshaw has a good idea with carbon capture. But this stuff, this stuff would take away the fear. I am sensitive to that people fear this stuff. I'm also sensitive to the fact that, hey, maybe I'm wrong. You know, when you forecast the weather every day, the biggest lesson is gratitude and humility. You understand that you could be wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong, but I do want to help other people. And so the book does something other things don't do. Other books don't do. It doesn't say, let's take $10 trillion out of the economy so you don't have any freedom. It says, look, we've got a, we've got a lot uh, better solution over here, which makes sense, right? So that's what, that's, that's the river that flows with this book, all right? You know, I, I watch all of these things. Now, have we gone through periods where the global temperatures have changed? Then tr- tell me whether our carbon emissions are increasing or decreasing. Do you go through well, periods they- where the earth cools and then the earth gets a little warmer? Is there a natural ebb and flow, or do you believe their argument about carbon emissions causing this is accurate? Well, it would be the first time, look— it's the sun, the ocean, stochastic events, the very design of the system. Man does have some effect. It's a matter of arguing over attribution. They say, oh, you're a denier. You deny this. You... No, I don't. I'm the guy that uses climate and the changes in climate to make a living. And that's the other thing, too. You know, I've got no knock against the government, academia. They do such great work. And, you know, people knock Noah. Noah has a lot of great people that do great work. Believe me, I look, watch their research, okay? But the fact is, in the private sector, if you're not right, you're going to get fired. So there's a bottom line. So what I do is, and I was taught this by my dad. My dad says, you know, I know something. You cannot know the future. We may believe something about the future, but we don't know it until it happens. But you can figure out what happened before. So what happens, Sean, is... Just like, just like when, I, when I read your book, I was looking at uh, how you would describe in history. It's like you're chain wrestling. You can go from one thing into another. It's why you're so good on the air. You're always prepared. What I decided to do was, because I love it, I love history, and I love the weather history, I went in and looked at everything. So when a storm shows up, I can say, ah, I saw that. Remember when Harvey hit Texas? And, of course, I was on. I took over the show for about a week then. But uh, I, I was saying, well, look what Flora did. In 1963 in Cuba, which, by the way, Castro accused the United States 
than President Kennedy of stalling the hurricane over his island to destroy his island, right? A hundred inches of rain, more than what Harvey did. So uh, instantly these things come up. It's just countless examples. The average person doesn't know that. And what I do for you in the book, folks, I lay out my argument. I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to open your mind and heart. I think it's a good idea. All right, that's going to wrap up our time with Joe Bastardi. If you uh, haven't gotten the book, it's it's up on Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. The weather is the weaponization of weather in the phony climate war. Watch how many liberal heads explode over reading this. Joe Bastardi, weatherbell.com, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Joe, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you got, Sean. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today and this week. Uh, if you haven't gotten your copy of Live Free or Die America, The World on the Brink, 40% off Amazon.com and Walmart, Target, Costco's, Books a Million, and, of course, Barnes & Noble. They all have good discounts. When we get back on Monday, 43 days, we'll continue our countdown. Hope you get some rest. Have a great weekend. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us.